Welcome to Hairstylist Rising Podcast. Together, we are going to dive deep into mindset, marketing, and finding fulfillment in this beautiful industry. I'm your host, Jody Brown, and I am a hairstylist veteran turned online entrepreneur and mindful marketing mentor just for beauty pros. No topic is off limits. We are going to pull back the curtain and discover the success secrets of hairstylists that are rising. Hello, and welcome back to the Hairstylist Rising podcast. Today is a topic that is near and dear to my heart, and I think that once you've listened to this episode, you'll realize that almost every creative struggles with this. We are going to be diving into imposter syndrome and how to live with it, deal with it, work around it. And today I have an incredible guest. Her name is Yara, and she is an educator, hairstylist, and salon owner, and has overcome so much in her personal story. And she is a perfect person to talk about this topic and how to get through all those emotions and come out the other side. So welcome to the podcast, Yara. Hi, Jody. Thank you so much for having me here. I am thrilled to be here today to talk about overcoming struggles and dealing with imposter syndrome and really just learning how to still thrive through it. Because like you said, pretty much every artist out there, anybody who's creating something out of nothing, pretty much, will deal with that little ugly imposter syndrome. We all have it. And it's just a matter of learning to accept it, acknowledge it, and moving forward regardless. I cannot wait to dive super deep into this topic. But first of all, would you mind giving us a little bit of background and just telling us a little bit about where you're from, what you do, and just a little insight into your world? Absolutely, Jody. So again, my name is Yara Della Torre, and I am an educator, a hairstylist, and a salon owner in Key Largo, Florida. I was originally born in Costa Rica, and I moved here when I was 14. So I have been little island of Key Largo ever since. My career started around the age of 16, 17, when I started at a hair salon as an assistant, and I moved my way up to becoming a hairstylist. So even during those times, which was, I graduated beta school in 2010. So it was a little bit before social media and Instagram and all of those great things that we have now. But, you know, the comparison game was still really strong and the imposter syndrome was still really strong. So Even as a young stylist, I would compare myself to everybody around me, sometimes even people who had been doing hair 5, 10, 15 years. And I was like, oh, you know, why am I not like them, et cetera. Or even in the beginning, when I did do great hair, I would just doubt myself. I would almost like convince myself that I wasn't really that good and that was just like a one-time only thing which is crazy to think about because I was just Mm -hmm. basically a kid doing some really amazing stuff. You know I remember that feeling too when you're first getting into the industry and you do something really amazing and you just think it's a fluke. You're like, <laughs> like even though you've been putting in all this work, practicing, taking all these classes, doing all this stuff, when you finally accomplish the kind of work that you've been trying to accomplish, you're like, 
there's no way this has to be a fluke. I remember those feelings so strongly when I first started as well. So you're definitely not alone. My goodness. Yes. And like, sometimes I would even be afraid of like doing good hair because then I was afraid that I wouldn't be able to recreate it, you know, like for a different Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. So that was definitely, I guess, the beginning of what imposter syndrome really felt like without me even realizing what it was. It was just kind of like putting myself down or dismissing my skills and my talent and just telling myself, you know, I guess a lot of times it can be perceived as humbleness, but there's definitely a difference between being humble and legitimately just not believing in yourself and like thinking that you're not good enough. So there's a really fine line there in between those two. Well, and do you think it's almost your brain's way of trying to keep you safe? Because if you step outside your comfort zone and you're, I find that the imposter syndrome is the strongest for a lot of the stylists I've talked to when you're in like a growth phase, when you're kind of pushing towards something or you're about to hit that next level. So You know, I remember thinking back and thinking, like having a gut feeling about something and thinking that it was like an indication that it wasn't the right decision or that, you know, I was doing something that I shouldn't be doing. And looking back, it's uh, almost all of the time when you have that fear of like moving to the next level or doing something different, it's actually just like imposter syndrome that I think is like, trying to hold you in your comfort zone so you don't take any risks. Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. Because, you know, humans, we are just, our nature is really to just be comfortable and to be safe for sure. So yeah, I think that there is a big difference between imposter syndrome and then like intuition and it can get very confusing in your head, especially if you, I mean, I'm saying if you're younger, you know, because I experienced this a lot more in my youth, but that's not really true because like you were saying, anytime that you're ready to level up, no matter how far along in your journey you are, even if you are an extremely talented, successful hairstylist, whatever that next step is, is going to feel scary. It's going to feel unknown. You're going to want to back out of it a million different times. And that imposter syndrome will be, you know, on your left shoulder saying, it's okay, sit down. Don't, don't do it. We can just stay here. We don't have to And then (laughs) imposter syndrome can also get really ugly and tell you things like you're not good enough and who cares and nobody's actually listening to you. Or Mm -hmm. if you're a stylist looking up to open your own place, I remember when I opened my own salon, which is now a five stylist salon, which originally was only supposed to be a creative space for me and for me only. I never saw it getting this big, but even then I told myself, what if all my clients leave me? What if absolutely nobody comes in? Yep. And I think that's like something that comes up for a lot of stylists when they make any kind of change, right? So whether it is raising your prices, moving to a different salon, cutting out certain services, changing your hours, literally any decision that we make as as creatives, I think it, there's always that like voice in the back of our heads. I remember stepping away from my behind the chair business to go into education full time was so exciting. And I think that adrenaline is the only thing that got me through it. But like, you know, when you when you make those big changes, it's 
an immense amount of fear that you have to to walk through to get to the other side. Yes, Jody, and like when there's big big decisions to make like that, like I am actually currently going through a big growth period right now as we speak mm-hmm. and I'm taking my education career to the next level and I was mm-hmm. telling my friend that my I call her my business bestie just over this past weekend that I had within minutes moments where my brain would be like oh my goodness what are you doing this is going to be a complete failure you should just stop right now and save yourself mm-hmm. the embarrassment to literally going from that low to all the way up and like the head the voice in my head saying you're a badass you can do this this is gonna be great this is amazing (laughs) and it would happen it happened all weekend long within minutes of each other and I was like what is going on with my brain you know but (laughs) it's that fear is that imposter syndrome trying to just keep you in your safe zone, trying to hold you back from mm-hmm. whatever is coming next. And I think that it's very important that we learn to acknowledge that feeling, that we learn to listen and know what it sounds like. I am a little bit into that kind of woo stuff. And I think that the, the voice of intuition in your heart and in your brain and in your soul sounds very different than that negative Nancy inside of you saying you can't do it. So it's important to to learn it and to keep it front and forward in your life. So how do you tell when you're having these thoughts, like what is the differentiator for you? Because I would imagine for someone listening right now, they're like, okay, imposter syndrome, intuition, both real, both different. How do I know? How do I know what's which one is legitimate and which one is just trying to sabotage me? Hmm, sabotage. That's the exact word. That is actually what the imposter syndrome's purpose is, is to sabotage your life. And to answer your question, the best way that I would say that you can do this and the way that I do it is by feeling, by feeling how this sounds. And I always describe things as heavy or light. So heavy being like feelings of anxiety, stress, feeling like you're not good enough, like just feeling little and heavy, you know, and then light feeling light. It's like abundance and faith and almost like a lot of air filling up your lungs and your mm-hmm. insides. And and that's kind of, you know, the difference between imposter syndrome and anxiety. I think that, or I'm sorry, imposter syndrome and intuition. I think that the more that you learn to really listen to your body and what it's telling you, the more you'll be able to rec- recognize when that intuition is guiding you towards the right way and when your imposter syndrome is just trying to be ugly and hold you back. So I would really pay attention to how you feel when these thoughts come on and and just spend some time there to really figure out, you know, is this a sign that I should maybe stop or is this just imposter syndrome trying to hold me back? Yes. Okay. I love that. Are you a journaling fan? Is that something that you ever do? Or what kind of actions do you generally take? Or do you like to just kind of meditate on it and just kind of feel into it? 
So I love journaling. I write, I love writing things down. I would say even maybe more than just journaling. I love planning and that really does help a lot. And I know that's a little bit of a different subject, but when you plan out your goals, when you plan out your life and you have these milestones that you know you have to reach in order to get to your greater goal, that is going to really help you stay in line because you know that you're just not you're not just taking strides forward towards nothing. You know, you're not just making these moves because you feel like there may be a price at the end of the race. You know, mm-hmm. it's not that you feel that it's that you know that. So really journaling and keeping track of your goals, keeping track of where you're going and having a why, like, why is it that you're doing this? Everybody has their own particular why. And my why really just all boils down to freedom. Like I want Mm -hmm. a certain amount of freedom that I know that if I work hard and I reach all of my goals, even Mm -hmm. fighting through the imposter syndrome, I know that all of these things will lead me to my common goal that I have written out, you know, sometimes even years in advance. And it's true because this is something that I've been doing. This is how I planned out how to become an educator, how to open my salon, how to do all the big things that I've done in life, how to have a huge comeback from life after big overcoming big struggles. It's all been through the power of like planning and journaling. And then that helps me stay focused. It makes it more real. And it allows me to not get caught up just in my feelings, but in actual facts. There's a quote that I just popped into my head. The day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. And I love that because I think when we're thinking about change, we get rose-colored glasses about where we're at now. When the reason that we have all these goals and these like aspirations is because we want more. So we always think of like how hard it will be to take that step and how hard it will be to reach the next level, but we don't really take in how hard it would be to just stay in the same place and not try. Yes. Yes. And I love that quote as well. And I've actually like felt that quote in my life many times. And here's Mm -hmm. something interesting may or may not know a little bit about my story, but if you find me on social media and Instagram at Yardos Hair, you'll be able to really read and see more about it but I am a hairstylist in a wheelchair and I had an accident about two years ago that left me paralyzed from the waist down but that didn't stop me from continuing my passion and my dreams and my career and it's it's talking about my accident and my testimony I should say of what happened in my life, one of the big things that I like to point out to people is that life will find a way to push you out of your comfort zone, even when you don't want to. So So one of the greatest pieces of advice that I like to share with people from my story, aside from resilience and being, you know, a big motivation and inspiration to other people is Do the things that scare you and move forward in life the way that you know you're supposed to before life forces you to do so. Because I do feel like in my life, I was definitely at a point of comfort. I was at a point where I was stagnant and I was like, okay with everything that was going on. And don't get me wrong, I was really busy. It doesn't doesn't mean that I wasn't. I was actually too busy. I was booked out over three months in advance. I had classes scheduled like 
too many classes schedule. I had just recently missed spring break with my kids because I hadn't scheduled time off at work because I was just, I was a freaking tornado, just rolling around life, overworking myself, doing all the things, not taking time for me. And the universe, life just said, stop, you know, like you can't keep on going on like this. And there were so many signs before that. There were so many times where I maybe should have made a change, but I didn't because I didn't follow my intuition. Mm-hmm. And that, that imposter syndrome just held me back and held me in comparison games and in you're not good enough games. And I need to be more like other people games. And it wasn't until that big, giant, completely life-changing event happened that I finally was able to get out of that comfort zone and like skyrocket into the next level of my life. I just find that's so inspiring, Yara, because, you know, there's so... There's so many different ways to handle a challenge like that. And I don't think anyone would would blame you if you would have been like, I'm not doing hair, you know, like if you wanted to just like completely change paths. And the fact that you found, you know, your purpose and were able to find your dreams throughout all of that, I think is is amazing. Thank you, Jody. Yes, it's been it's been a journey. It's been two years now and Imposter syndrome has never been stronger, actually. I mean, just even coming back into the scene like of hair, mm-hmm. and I was already establishing myself as an educator prior to this. So mm-hmm. when I came back, I was really scared. And I remember uh, a wonderful student of mine, Melinda, she's actually just signed up for to become a founding member of the course that I just released. She reached out to me on social media when I was still at home, like, really learning how to like sit back up. Like I didn't even know how to sit. And she said, Hey, I've been looking for a balayage educator in my area for however long I found you through an article in salon centric about your accident. And I know it's really early, but I want you to do a class for me. And I was like, Oh my gosh, there's somebody that wants to pay me money to do a class with me. And I was like, can I do this? Like from a wheelchair, like, Am I even going to be able to? And a million different thoughts cross my mind, Jody. I mean, when I'm telling you a million different thoughts, it's like now my life in a wheelchair is completely different. I have to think, I have to think of everything. I have to think of how long it's right. going to take me to get from point A to point B. I have to think about where am I going to use the restroom? I have to think about mm-hmm. how, how much water am I going to drink again? Because the restroom situation, yeah. you know, everything is just different. And I thought of all the horrible scenarios And I still do sometimes when I have to present in public or be in front of people. I think of all the things that I have no control over because Mm -hmm. I have a disability that could go wrong, that could potentially be like life shattering, extremely embarrassing, completely demeaning scenarios in my head of what could potentially go wrong. And every single time I've just pushed through it and did it because you know what? There has been times that things have gone wrong. And yeah. the first time or two, they were, it was really embarrassing, really bad. I cried. I felt awful. And then you know what? Time went on. Life went on. Things continued on. People still like me, you know. And yeah. <laughs> the imposter syndrome keeps you thinking that you have to be this perfect person. And nobody's perfect. 
And we are all so much more forgiven of everyone around us, except ourselves. We're never Mm -hmm. forgiven of ourselves. I think that's the thing, right? And whenever you take a new leap too, I think you just automatically go to like what, what you're lacking in this situation as opposed to what you can offer the situation. And I think that's such a, you know, like somewhere along the lines, we got into our heads that we have to be the absolute best at everything in order to be of any value. And it's so far from the truth. And I think it holds a lot of people back. Right. So, so what do you think is like the one thing you wish you had known when you started your career as a hairstylist? Now that you've been in the industry for over a decade and you've had so many different like roles in the industry, you've obviously had some trials, tribulations, like you face some really difficult stuff. Is there something that you wish that you had come into this industry knowing? Yes, absolutely. I would love to just know back in the day when I first started at 17 years old that being myself was literally the key to everything. Like the key to being unafraid, to being unapologetically myself would be the one thing that would make me shine and stand out. So I wouldn't waste so many years, I mean, literally a decade of my life or more trying to fit in and trying to be like everybody else and trying so desperately to almost copy everyone around me, you know, instead of just being me. I would 100% be able to go back and say that to 17-year-old Yara, but I know that she wouldn't listen to me. <laughs> no, Yara is anything like any other 17-year-old, she probably would not. <laughs> but it's such a freeing moment and feeling. <laughs> and like you were saying, you know, like we hold ourselves to this like insane perfection, like standard. But mm-hmm. now, like after so many times of like trying things out and like sucking at them at first and then getting better about it, It just now when I start something new and I suck at it, I'm like excited. I'm like, okay, well, I know it's not really that great, but I know the next time it's going to be better and better and better and better. Just to put that into perspective, just recently, I work with a really awesome like hair brand and I'm one of their ambassadors and they reposted a video of me that I had made for them. I don't know, probably about a year ago and they reposted it not too long ago, like maybe about a month ago. And there was some hate on it. You know, it's a big page. And there were some people who were like X, Y, and Z. They had some comments to say about me, about Mm -hmm. the product, about whatever. And at first I got really upset. I was like, man, gosh, the internet can be so nasty. You know, like people can be so rude and Mm -hmm. so mean. But then I thought to myself, that video is something that I made a year ago. They posted it today, but I made it a year ago. And I was like, how much better are you now, Yara? A whole lot. A whole lot. Yeah. You know, and if I wouldn't have started that first video, I would still suck that much. I would still be where I was a year ago and I wouldn't be where I am today. So I, I just love that we're able to, that I'm able to really understand that I don't have to be perfect at everything. So I'm able to try out a lot of things without feeling so much fear or feeling the fear and doing it anyway. And just saying, you know, it's, Just like a post on Instagram comes and goes and may get a couple likes and a couple comments. And then in two days, nobody ever 
thinks about it again or cares for it. Yep. It's the same with everything else. You can try anything mm-hmm. out. You can suck at it. Nobody's going to care that much. Oh, and you know, they say that if your first attempt at something is perfect, you waited way too long. The best way to improve and the best way to help people and figure out what, you know, the people that look up to you need is to put something out there because the feedback that you get and like the conversations that you can start is such a powerful way to really grow in whatever it is that you're doing. So it's, I think it's so important to just be able to measure that and see your own growth. I love it. So what is the most common myth in our industry, do you think, for hairstylists? The most common myth in our industry. Oh, my goodness. I feel like I have to answer all the questions the same way. I think (laughs) the biggest myth in our industry is that we all have to be the same, is that we all have to fit this certain criteria or get reposted by this certain page or Mm -hmm. be a part of X, Y, or Z team in order to make it. Like you don't Mm -hmm. have to follow the standard rules of everything. Like I, I just recently heard somebody criticize, I guess it was constructive criticism, a girl who was doing both balayage and vivids on her page. And the critic was Mm -hmm. that she should really just stick to one, you know, instead of both. And like, you know, I, I was there in the conversation when it happened and I reached out to her and I told her, I was like, girl, keep doing your thing. Like you never know what may come of you being authentically yourself. Like you don't have to follow this set of rules. You don't, your page doesn't have to be perfectly aesthetically pleasing. Like you got to do you and you got to see how being your true self will lead you to finding the people who want you. You know, I spent so much much time trying to be like everybody else. And even if we were just a Michelin social media standards, my social media was never a hit when I was copying somebody else. But it's always a hit when I'm being myself. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? And I think like any, there's so much information out there and there's so many different amazing educators, so many different people to learn from when it comes to marketing and social media. And the one thing that I always just tell people like, you know, if someone tells you there's only one good way to do things, run in the opposite direction because there is always more than one way to do things. And there's always a way to make it more yourself, right? And what would you, what kind of shift have you seen since you've started showing up a lot more authentically, both on social media and just in your life? Like what kind of things have changed for you? So it feels a lot lighter. Like I was telling you, it's not heavy anymore. It's a lot lighter. Like I am able to fully show up and be myself and be unapologetically myself. I actually have been very open and honest about who I am. And there's been actually a few times, like a few posts in particular that has had, the outcome has been like a 40 follower drop like I had 40 people unfollow me because I posted something that didn't resonate with them which is something that would have totally broken me maybe a year ago but now I'm like bye like I'm not for you you're not for me like we wouldn't even hang out if we knew each other in real life so you don't have to be here so it helps me really not get up all in my feels about you know like followers and friends and whatnot, even in real life, you know, I'm like, if you 
are not, if you're a client and you think that what I am and what I stand for doesn't fit your criteria of who you want to be around. And I respect that. And I want you to just please be on your way. So it's given me a lot more confidence to show up unapologetically, even through imposter syndrome, even through like that fear of wanting to hide pieces of myself to be able to fit in and please everybody. So that's changed a lot. And also on the other end of that, I am attracting all the most amazing people in the world. Like, so now that I'm showing up unapologetically and I'm not letting imposter syndrome consume over me, I'm doing what I want and I'm attracting people who like who I am. So it's just really taken my confidence level to the next step. That's amazing. And honestly, like from a marketing perspective, being polarizing is a fantastic thing. Like you don't want to try and be for everyone, right? But you want the people who are your people to be all in on your message and everything. So the fact like losing followers, whenever I post anything remotely controversial and take an opinion, I always lose a ton of followers too. But like you said, that's a good thing. Those are people who are not going to resonate with you. They're not going to engage with your content. They're not going to be interested anyway. Exactly. Exactly. And it just takes a lot of the pressure off, you know, and Mm -hmm. it, definitely breaks down walls and it helps me stay true and stay honest and kind of stay in line, you know, instead of like I was saying, when I say I used to copy other people, I used to copy other people. Like I would like reward things or like literally just take like the same post that somebody made and just kind of remake it on my own. And it was exhausting. And then it was like, I was like fearful that they would like notice, you know, and it was just, it was awful. Yeah. It was absolutely (laughs) awful. So, and I know that I'm not alone. Yeah. I know that a lot yeah, of us do that. A hundred percent. Yeah. You're definitely not alone. And I think that that's like one of the biggest struggles actually with, I mean, as you know, I talk to a lot of hairstylists about social media and their marketing and all these things. And, you know, I think that's one of the most common things is like, oh, like I see people doing it this way and they're really successful. So then I try and do it like them. But they're really successful because they are an original. Like that's the thing, right? You don't want to be the second rate version of someone else when you can be the first rate version of you, because there are going to be people that resonate with you and who, who you can, you know, help impact. Yes. And I feel like that is what like imposter syndrome does. It tries to keep you from being yourself. Like it tries to keep you from doing big things like if you have it in your heart if you have it in your brain if you have an idea of any kind it's possible just by having that idea you can make it a reality so if it exists in your heart or in your head then it's already a reality you can absolutely that and that's such a good way of putting it because I think that's the thing like we get our we get our ideas and our dreams for a reason. And so you're absolutely right. If that's something that if you want to make something happen, you can, but not when you're trying to be someone else. Like it's definitely important to kind of go all in on you and your audience and what makes you unique. So what's next for you, Yara? Like what is, what are your next, next big goals? 
Thank you, Jody. So actually, I love that we're talking about all of this because I am releasing my first online course at the end of this month. So at the time of this recording, it's early May. And by May 28th, I'm going to be opening the doors to Evolve in Stylist Academy, which is my new baby, my new project, the project that I have fought imposter syndrome through. (laughs) for the past over six months. So I will be releasing that. And it is a beautiful program that is going to teach students, hairstylists, all about the fundamentals and the basics of hair color. So I specialize in lived-in color. I'm talking balayage, foliage, advanced foiling techniques. And what the course is really focused on is giving you the basics and the fundamentals and then encouraging you to make it your own. And that is what I really love about my course that that is different than other courses. I have taken plenty of education, amazing education. A lot of times I've learned like a class, you know, like a placement, a sectioning to do it. I want to be able to teach stylists like the guide and the instructions to do pretty much anything they want. So I'm really excited about that. It's being released at the end of this month. And I've been really, really, really happily, steadily working on it. And I just can't wait to see what comes of it. Oh, that's so exciting. I love that online education has become such a thing because I think it makes it so much more accessible. Like no matter where you are in the world, no matter where you are in your career, you're able to access incredible education like that. So I think that's super exciting. So where can my listeners go to get to know you better? Where can we find you? Absolutely. So I am Yara Does Hair on Instagram. And I have a website that is coming up that is called EvolvingStylist.com. So by the time that this recording airs, it will probably be out. So you guys can go and check that out. And then if any of you are ever in Florida, Key Largo, my studio is Lashes and Girls Studio. Anybody can always come by and say (laughs) hi. You'd be amazed how many hairstylists come down here to vacation. So you're going down to Key West, you got to drive um, by. As soon as we like to travel again, Florida, I've actually never been to Florida. Where you live looks like paradise. <laughs> they call it. That's what they yeah. call it. <laughs> Buffett wrote a lot of songs about us. So, Really? Yes, you're going to have to come down one day. <laughs> for sure. Well, thanks again for joining me today, Yara. And it was really great having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me here, Jody. It's been such a pleasure and I can't wait to do it again sometime.